the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. If you've ever asked me if I thought we'd be in this position where we are right now, I'd say you're crazy. The Toronto Raptors are one win away from their very first NBA championship. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene.tv network and part of the overtime media crew. The Raptors took care of business on the road, taking both games in Oakland against the reigning defending NBA champions. And like I said, one went away. Joining me today to discuss all things Toronto Raptors in the NBA Finals is Hunter Surplus of Take Six. Dude, what's going on, man? I'm, I've been good. Uh, obviously, I've been enjoying these past few weeks of, of the playoffs, of the finals. It's it's fantastic. Like you said, I, I never thought that, that we'd be here. And like I never thought we'd be in a position where we are up 3-1 against the Golden State Warriors. So I'm doing fantastic. Nothing can take me down from the high that is that is the Toronto Raptors. I don't think anybody, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, right? I don't want the, I I say this often on the show regarding the finals. I don't want the hubris to bleed into this, but for the sake of predictions and whatnot, I don't think anybody ever thought that this would be over in five and it just might be on Monday. Yeah. Not like not a single person. I like, unless it was the other way around. Yeah, no, I saw a hundred thousand, you know, Warriors in five, Warriors in six, Raptors basically. Like I, I heard Raptors in six a couple times, but that was as far as it went. I never heard, I never heard Raptors in five. I heard a lot of Raptors in six, a lot of Raptors in seven. Do you think that last night's game, uh, that being game four? showed a different side of the Toronto Raptors that a lot of fans aren't used to. In other words, like this is probably the most resilient team I have ever seen, and they're clearly all business. Uh, did you get that sense, and uh, what else did you notice about Game 4? Or sorry, yeah, Game 4 in a general sense. Yeah, like this team was having probably the worst half of basketball that they've played in, in the past couple weeks and and I know Bill Simmons tweeted something out like this is the worst half of basketball they played in in three weeks and there's they're only down by four and that kind of just summed up what that first half was they played really really bad they shot horribly they were I mean they weren't turning the ball over a ton but they were turning the ball over a lot it was a lot of sloppy play that first few minutes of of the entire game in that first quarter were sloppy by both teams a lot of turnovers a lot of missed wide open shots and it's kind of what we saw early in that Milwaukee series when we went down 0-2, where they weren't hitting their wide-open shots, they were turning the ball over a lot, and it just looked like Golden State was getting the better of the Raptors. But it kind of felt like Game 2 of this series in the sense that going into halftime in Game 2, I was like, damn, the Raptors should have put the Warriors away. They should be up by way more than just 5. I felt the exact same way last night in Game 4 in the sense that damn, the Raptors should be down by way more than four points. We're in a really good spot to win this game. And the biggest thing to me that I found, and and I was kind of harping on this before the game, was that the Raptors need to run against Golden State tonight, at least to start, because Steph Curry's workload on in game three was 
humongous, right? He had that 47 points. He basically had to do everything. Right. Obviously, Igudala and Draymond Green were kind of doing the same thing. They had to have more of a workload without without Clay. And then mentioning Clay, Clay's coming off that injury. He's not obviously he played really well last night, but he's not going to be 100. percent If you run on Clay, his his leg is going to be is hampered, all that kind of stuff. And they were able to run in that first half, and and I know it was sloppy basketball, but I think it helped them out in that second half in terms of the Warriors looked tired. They looked dead. They didn't look like the same Warriors as they as they have in, in previous years and in previous series. So to me, that's what kind of swayed this game in the second half for me because the Warriors didn't look the same in that. I mean, they didn't look good in the first half, but they really didn't look good in that second half, especially in that third quarter. I think they only had 21 points coming out of the half, and the Raptors put up 37. And I think it's just because those fresher legs, they were able to run more. Curry was obviously hob- like hobbled a little bit because of the the fatigue effect. And then Clay Thompson with his injury, Draymond Green didn't have the same kind of hustle that he always has. So I think the the main focus of the Raptors in terms of walking into game four was that, yes, Clay Thompson was coming back. This is something that I don't think... I don't know if a lot of Raptors fans took it seriously, but I think the players thought, all right, we got the game plan as we normally would. Um, you look at Looney, him coming back. I thought that was kind of, I don't want to say forced, but I do want to say it was a little bit hasty. He definitely didn't look right. He wasn't physically there. Um, he almost seemed a little trepidatious. There was one sequence in particular that I want to say Draymond Green had him for a little alley-oop. Um, you know, like one of those backdoor cuts that the Warriors have been doing to the Raptors pretty much this entire series. Uh, Looney caught it, and he took it to the ground only to lightly lay it back in. I feel like if this was three or four games ago, he would have probably jammed that down their throats. Um, so I guess having piggybacking off of what you said, they definitely didn't look good. Um, Curry, to his credit, he was sort of uh, the man in game four. I'm sorry, game three. And he only had a day of rest to really recover from that. And you could totally see that he was tiring out. The entire team looked gassed. So I think, I don't want to downplay the win for the Raptors, but the Warriors definitely weren't at quote-unquote full strength. But this is the NBA Finals, right? The NBA Finals, there are no excuses. Fucking Fred Van Vliet's tooth got knocked out, and he was he's still ready to go. Um, you really can't chalk this up to anything negative on the Raptors. They really came out fighting, especially after that first quarter. First quarter was very sloppy. Raptors weren't taking advantage of offensive, re- I mean, sorry, defensive rebounds. Um, their shots, as you mentioned, just weren't falling. It seemed like last night was going to be another Brick City night, but you got to give them credit for just keep fighting through. They ended up uh, in only a six-point deficit out of the first quarter. That's not that bad, especially against Golden State. Um you see them coming into the third quarter and you're hoping that the Raptors can just tread water against a Golden State team who's notoriously great in the third quarter. Raptors win that quarter handedly by 16 points. This team is just on an entirely new level. They're focused. They're ready to win this. And I just, my mind's blown over the notion that this Toronto Raptors team could literally make history on Monday. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. And like, it's it's crazy to think that the Raptors have dominated so much this series. And like, uh, uh, the wins haven't been by a crazy man. Like, 13 points is, 
is a lot by Golden State standards, but they've won 13 out of the 16 quarters yeah. this series. And it that's that's something that if you told me, you know, before this series started, I would have said, yeah, like if a team won 13 out of 16, it's probably Golden State. But I mean, they're there's it's the eye test right you watch this and you see how good the team really is they really only lost that first quarter in last night's game and and like i said they were down going into halftime and they did have that really big third quarter but they started to turn it around right after that first quarter where they weren't hitting any shots and and i think the the presence of a guy like Kawhi Leonard even though he is a little bit hampered in terms of injuries and stuff like that does help this team more than we kind of can can think about and more than we give him credit for because there's times where he just can go there and and slow the game down and this is kind of where I thought that he struggled a bit in that second half in game two he came in and he just slowed the game down he was able to get to the line and and ruin that pace for the Golden State Warriors and then he was able to just make really, really, really tough shots in that first half. I think he had like 13 of the 17 points or something in in yeah, that first yeah. quarter. And he, he was able to just take over and, and do things that, as Raptors fans, we've never seen before. Big credit to him. Obviously, he gets you know all the credit that he deserves. But to me, the biggest thing about having a guy like that is just like being able to slow everything down and, and not having to panic about being down x amount to a team like the warriors i think that is the the recipe here for the raptors to succeed um from what i noticed especially in the first quarter and a little bit into the first half they were trying to match the pace of the golden state warriors you're not going to win ball games like that maybe they were trying to gas him out because as you mentioned fatigue has been a factor but the raptors are so much better when they slow the game down, especially at the top of the key, start whipping the ball around to find the open man, have Kawhi draw two defenders, that is how they get their looks. That is how they become successful in the offensive end rather than trying to push this transition game against Golden State. I don't know if that's going to work. And to their credit, they did start to control the pace in the second half. Uh, it didn't really occur much later into the fourth quarter, but still, that is where it counted. Um I don't know. The whole team has been firing. And, you know, you look at the numbers on the stat sheet, you're sort of thinking, not that impressive. I mean, like the Raptors shooting 31% from three, you probably look at that. And if you didn't know the score, you'd be thinking, they didn't walk away with this. But then you look at Golden State shooting 30%, and it's a whole different idea, right? That's, that's another key that I don't think a lot of people are focusing on. Golden State didn't hit a lot of their shots either. Right, And that is how they become successful, by hitting a plethora of three-pointers. So you got to credit the Raptors for really controlling the pace here and making this game their own, rather than trying to replicate what Golden State has been doing to their credit to be successful. And to the Raptors' uh, credit, they've been eliminating that aspect for the Golden State Warriors by playing awesome awesome defense like the bringing out that box and one people are shitting all over it but man it is working without failure right now yeah like the thing with last night is only only two warriors made three pointers right steph curry and clay thompson yeah quinn cook was kind of on a three-point tear at the beginning of this series and and 
especially in game two and game in game three there. And he went 0 for 3. Alfonso McKinney 0 for 1. Draymond 0 for 1. Andre Goodall 0 for 3. And I know they took 27 threes, but it seemed to me that in that game, they weren't really taking that many. They were trying to drive to the hole. Like outside of Curry, who took nine, and, and Clay, who took 10, it seemed to me that they weren't kicking it out after driving. They were driving and they were getting to the hoop and they were trying to lay it in. But as you mentioned, the Raptors defense has been so sound and so good around all around the edges. Anywhere that you go, you can't really find one single weak spot in terms of the Raptors defense, which is, you know, defense wins championships. I saw some stat. I th- I, I want to say it was on Twitter. A lot of a lot of shits on Twitter these days. Oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> I saw that in the Warriors, you know, 2015 to 2019 run where they've been so dominant. The only times where they've won their championships were when their defense was either first or second in the playoffs. In 20, when was it? 2016 when he lost to LeBron. Yeah. They were seventh in the playoffs in defense. And this year, I'm as of, you know, before before last night, they were 10th. And and the Raptors are up there in in the top two. So I mean, it it just goes to show that. It's it's very cliche. This might be the most cliche thing I'm ever going to say on your podcast here, Adam. But defense is going to win this championship, and I, I've kind of been saying that this whole this whole way. And I I didn't know if I fully believed it because of how powerful Golden State's offense is and how powerful they have been in in this run. I didn't know if defense really was going to win this championship, but it it seems like it might because I to me. The only way that Golden State can come back into this series, and I'm knocking on wood right now because I, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope I'm not speaking something into existence here. But the only <laughs> thing that I can see them improving on really is is their defensive their defensive side of things and them stopping Kawhi Leonard and then them stopping a guy like Fred Van Fleet who's coming off the bench. But I don't know if the, I don't know if I can see that happening. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> I don't see it happening at all. And don't worry about the cliches. I've said it so many times on the show because as a kid going to basketball camps, playing for, you know, like youth teams or whatever, um, offense wins games, defense wins championships. That is drilled into me, and the Raptors are putting that into practice right now. Um, It's really hard to draw anything up to try to stop Kawhi Leonard. Like, how do you stop two legitimate fuck-you three-pointers right at the start of the second half to set the tone and to really put the dagger into Golden State that early? As soon as he hit those two in a row, I'm just thinking they are on a whole nother level right now. They are coming out swinging, and they are, first of all, trying to eliminate this crowd. Like, people have talked about the Golden State crowd being this monster, this voiceless crowd. I didn't get that sense at all, right? In these first two games on the road, didn't really seem intimidated by this crowd at all. The Raptors put this crowd to shame, and maybe it's because of the losing efforts. I get it. But I don't know, man. Like this, this crowd just seems like a whole bunch of bandwagon fans to me. Yeah, uh, like it's it's pretty crazy that you're looking at this Raptors fandom and you're saying that this might be the best fandom in the entire league. Yeah, because you're right. At Oracle, everything kind of seems like you're getting in a, in a really good quarter for the Warriors when they're up, when they're hitting 
the quote unquote fuck you threes that Kawhi hit, the the arena kind of just goes in into this into this place where not many arenas get into. And to me, I was at game one. And to me, from what I've heard from people who have been at Oracle and all the descriptions of what happens at Oracle when this team gets going, that's exactly what happened in game one when a three went down from Fred Van Fleet or from Danny Green especially, or Marc Gasol for that matter, the crowd went nuts. And you're not seeing that from the Golden State Warriors fans. You're not seeing that in Oracle. I don't know. Like you said, it could be because of the losing efforts or it could just be because they aren't that great of fans. And when you put it on a level and you match the two together and you match the Raptors fans to the Golden State Warriors fans, maybe that's why the Warriors fans don't look so good because the Raptors fans have been going so nuts. That Jurassic Park has been going so nuts that people are going out to the downtown area and going to Young and Dundas Square, and they are going nuts. They're jumping on cars after every single win. It's not just after they they won the Eastern Conference Finals. It's not just after they won their first NBA Finals game. It's after every single Finals win. I was at the bar last night with a couple of my well, I met them after work, and a couple other friends that we didn't know were there ended up kind of saying hi to us. And they're like, "Yeah, man, like we're just gonna go downtown and and celebrate with people." <laughs> and so I, I just got into the bar. So I, yeah, so I had just gotten to the bar. So I had to get my drink on before I even thought about doing that. But I mean, it's just, that's the thing. It's, it's people just want to celebrate with everybody. And it's, it's taken the whole world by storm. There's people who have never watched basketball in their whole lives who have become kind of these diehard Raptors fans. <clears throat> Sorry. And you did kind of mention the bandwagon fans. And I feel like we're getting, a lot of those bandwagon fans onto the onto the Raptors side, but I'm I'm all here for it because to me they're all genuine bandwagon fans. They're the bandwagon fans who have never really watched basketball, but they're here to support not only Toronto's team but Canada's team in getting this first championship in in the city and in in the quote unquote the North for the first time since the Jays and. I think it's just bringing everybody together and bringing people who would never be, not never, but like who wouldn't be otherwise watching basketball to watch basketball and to to really root for the Raptors and, and get, get this team going. I think that's indicative of any sort of winning franchise though, right? You're, you're definitely going to get these quote-unquote bandwagon fans. Um, you're going to catch their interest no matter what. And whether or not like you're a stat head or whether or not you you like the intangible aspects of the game or whether or not you're just like being introduced to basketball for the first time as a result of these wins, it's all good, right? I'm not the type of guy that's going to look at any Raptors fan and be like, yo, how long have you been a Raptors fan? Have you been suffering for 24 years? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not about that. You know, like if, if you're being introduced to the game of basketball, or, and or to the Toronto Raptors. Like, you never know. If this is the catalyst that makes you want to start watching the NBA, that is a an inherently good thing because the NBA 
compared to any other sports league, is so full of storylines everywhere that it's so easy to follow. It's so easy to get your interest. It's so easy for you to really watch the timeline of events that lead up to these moments, right? And, and it's filtered through everything. And I think that if, if you're becoming a fan now, because of the winning efforts of the Toronto Raptors, the man, it, there's plenty of room, right? And and it shows just how passionate the uh, not just the Canadian fan base is, but if you want to put it in a vacuum, the Toronto fan base is. Because I saw the videos last night, and this is after a Game Four win where the Raptors are just up three one. And I don't want to minimize the accomplishment at all, but you see people just going crazy, and and it's it's awesome, man. Because this city has been thirsty for a championship for so long, as you mentioned, since 1993 for the Blue Jays. It's crazy. And and now that we're in this position where it's literally within reach, I, I don't know, man. It, it just it goes to the patience and the passion that Toronto sports fans have. And it's it's going to be great if and when the Toronto Raptors win this championship. Seeing this city just finally get what they deserve it's awesome, man. Like, you can say TFC, that's fine. But again, don't want to minimize the accomplishment. But they're not as big as these the three major sports franchises, that being hockey, basketball, and football. It doesn't necessarily have to be in that order. But you get the idea. Like, this is going to be huge for Toronto if they're able to win it. And I and I can't think of a better city that deserves it more. Yeah, like, it's, it's absolutely insane. Like, I wasn't around for the Jays championships world series wins i wasn't around obviously for the the maple leafs stuff back in in the 60s so this is kind of the first taste of like real success that i've ever i've ever had and i mean like obviously we made it to the eastern conference finals a couple years ago and the jays made it um pretty far in in their 2015 run with the bat flip and all that kind of stuff but it's it's not anything close to the same as what is happening right now and like I still genuinely can't really like wrap my head around the fact that that this is happening and just because like I've never been experienced with this kind of stuff I've never had my favorite team on the brink of winning an NBA championship and like I was texting my buddy last night after the game on like when I was in the Uber on the way down to the bar and he goes dude I'm speechless like I wanted to text you something, but I did it like I I was getting ready to text you something about this game, but I just don't know what to text you. Like I just didn't have the words to text it to you. So I'm just going to text you this. And I was like, you know what? Like right back at you, dude. Like I don't know agreed. what to say about this game because <laughs> yeah, agreed. Literally just <laughs> agreed because like I like I don't know. Like this is unprecedented territory for people of my age and people who I'm hanging out with and and people who even who haven't really been following sports for that long and haven't been touched by the Jays success all that much. And it's, it's a, it's something that like not a whole lot of people in Toronto can say that they're very familiar with. And it's, it's so cool having everybody. I, I know I said this before, but it's so cool having everyone being brought together and all the watch parties in, you know, all across all across Canada are so cool to watch. And it's very exciting moment for not only Toronto, but like obviously Canada as a whole. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Uh, I do want to keep it rolling with the uh, an important player that I think sort of broke out last night. People like to talk about Fred Van Vliet and the uh, the efforts he's gone through. And again, I don't want to discredit any of it. He's been outstanding. But I do think it is important to focus on Serge Ibaka and the impact he had on this game last night. Uh, Serge Ibaka put up 20 points last night. Literally outscored the entire Golden State bench. The Golden State bench as a whole put up 18 points. Serge Ibaka has been kind of up and down throughout this entire playoff run, but there are moments that he has that completely shift the momentum in the Raptors' favor. Um, you know, to, on the other side of the coin, though, he does have these boneheaded plays sometimes that just make me just want to strangle him and be like, Serge, you need to plant your feet a little bit more and not to be, don't be too hesitant to, you know, jump on a pump fake and draw a foul. Just like be disciplined. But last night to his credit, man, he was awesome. Grabbing rebounds, putting baskets in from underneath, hitting a three, even he was outstanding. And I think that moments like these, when you have a full team effort to sort of supplement the role from Kawhi Leonard and not put it all on his shoulders is extremely valuable. And if this team is clicking on all cylinders from the starters to the bench, it's going to be deadly moving forward. So I just kind of wanted to get your your reaction to that. How did you feel about Serge Ibaka having this quote-unquote breakout game when it counted in game four? Well, yeah, like you said it. Like he had, he had like you said, 20 minutes in or 20 points, sorry, in, in, you know, basically 20 minutes. But to me, the biggest thing is that this has switched into, and I said it on my last podcast, this has kind of switched into a series where whoever has the better bigs, I think is going to win this series yeah. because Golden State, obviously they have, they have Draymond Green, but it's hard to call him a, a big because he doesn't usually play he doesn't play in the paint. He's not always around there. He's always getting reboards, rebounds, sorry, but he's not always in that paint area, whether it's on defense where he's covering some guy on the perimeter and, and kind of just roaming around, or whether it's on offense where he's holding the ball, usually near the top of the key on the wing, whatever it is. He's he's rarely in that quote-unquote big man spot. Right. And obviously, DeMarcus Cousins has looked like trash in these past two games and, and in game one. And kind of, I think everyone's saying that, you know, these games are kind of the anomaly for DeMarcus Cousins, but game two to me was the anomaly and game two is something that we're not going to see from DeMarcus Cousins again. And obviously when Kevon Looney is looking as injured as he is, like we kind of mentioned right off the top there, they don't have that versatile big man outside of Draymond Green to stop either Marcus Gasol or Serge Ibaka. And both those guys, and and they played both them together at the same time at some point tonight, which is, I think, a very good thing when you're playing a team with Andrew Bogut as kind of the the guy who can match up against that. But Serge Ibaka, he has been, it's not that he's been bad this whole series. He hasn't been putting up those gaudy stats or any of the stats where you're kind of looking at and be like, wow, Serge Ibaka had a really good game. But he has been really good every single game. And, you know, whether it's getting some rebounds or whether he's, getting six blocks like he did in game three he's just doing the little things that really show that he is he's kind of making those kyle lowry hustle plays right yeah. where he's kind of just in there he's working hard you know he's doing everything that he can to put the raptors in a position where they can win he shot 75 percent from the field last night he was you know obviously like you said he hit that one three and the one thing that that really stood out to me the one play that really stood out to me was 
where on the one end, I think he blocked Alfonso McKinney. He grabs the rebound over three Warriors, makes a pass, runs up, hits the transition three. And that's when I kind of knew, I was like, damn, yo, this is going to be a Serge Ibaka game. Something is going to go right for Serge Ibaka in this game, and and it's going to start with that three. And and that's almost where I kind of thought that the game was was like I not over because it's the Warriors, anything can happen. But that's kind of the point in the game where I was like, I don't think the Warriors can come back from this because the crowd just got depleted. The Raptors, you could tell, were absolutely fired up after that. The bench was going nuts after Serge hit that three. And those are the plays that you need from from guys on your team, not named Kawhi Leonard, because those are the those are the type of plays that will shift the the game in your favor and will shift the momentum in your favor when you get a big block and then a transition three. And Serge Ibaka did that, and and that's kind of what he's done forever. Whatever team he's played on, he's he's always made at least one or two impact impact plays a game and and that's what i saw from him last night just kind of making those little impact plays and and doing the, the little things that he always does but they were just kind of going more his way tonight you know it's it's one of those things that when you have this big man that's you know sort of like a stretch he really is a stretch five but he's he's operating so much like a typical center um, that is so valuable with this team, especially when you have a Marcus All on the floor at the same time. Like you got to credit Nick Nurse for having the balls to sort of go big and not try to match the uh, the Warriors going small. Because let's face it, Serge Ibaka and Marcus All they don't move like they used to, right? They're still pretty slow. They're not quick on their feet. They they don't have that sort of quickness in their game that can match the Golden State Warriors if they decide to stretch the floor. It's really difficult to close out on that. But if you have a Golden State team that isn't hitting their shots, much like they weren't last night, you have a guy like Serge Baca and Marcus Gasol to really eat up those rebounds and to really push this team into transition or to set up a play in the offensive end. And I think that's where these two individuals in particular, Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, will be valuable moving forward, however many games there remain. Um, also, we touched on them already a little bit, but I kind of want to get into more detail. Fred Van Vliet was, again, outstanding. The stat sheet doesn't light up with him, but it's sort of just the defensive end on on Curry. It's just how can you not just admire the effort? The dude is playing so physical. The dude needed seven stitches from an elbow, albeit accidental. I'm going to give it to, I think it was Livingston that hit him. Yeah, yeah, it was accidental. I don't think there was anything purposeful on that. Um, but it did not look good. He's just laying on the ground. You see it like he's almost like crying blood. Even though it was underneath his eye, it just like looked kind of cool at the same time. <laughs> um, seven stitches, no concussion, a chipped tooth. Uh, the dude is just relentless, and he's gritty, he's tough, not backing down from the challenge. If it wasn't for Kawhi Leonard on this team, and if the Raptors were to win this, Fred VanVleet's got to be your runner-up for finalist MVP, because this guy is just giving it his all. Yeah, like, the the thing you mentioned that, that really stands out to me is, is his defense, right? And to me, with Fred VanVleet, like, he's not the fastest guy. He's not particularly the strongest guy he's by far he's far from the 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 longest guy or the tallest guy or you know the biggest guy however you want to describe it but somehow he is able to run with Steph Curry 
He's able to run around all the screens that they put up for Steph Curry. He's able to stay with him. He's able to switch on to Steph whenever he needs to. He's able to switch on to Clay. He's able to get around everything that the Warriors are doing to get Steph Curry open. And he's able to get to the to the to the spot where Steph Curry isn't comfortable. And that's the biggest thing about what you have to do here, right? Is you gotta make Steph Curry uncomfortable. You gotta make their best guy uncomfortable and like you said he just plays with grit and determination and like the stats don't light up right eight four and six tonight or last night i guess not fantastic 33 percent shooting not fantastic but he's also a plus 12 he's up there with with the best of the guys and all of him all of what he does is like i said with serge Ibaka, it is impact plays and we saw how much him not playing well affected series in the Milwaukee series, obviously, to start that one, and then the Philadelphia series going all the way to seven. When a guy like Fred Van Fleet can come off your bench and provide that kind of stability and and useful minutes, and 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 I'm not even gonna say I shouldn't even say useful. That's kind of discrediting what he's doing. But when he can give you those minutes off the bench and be so productive and do the little things that you would ask from your starting point guard, you just can't be anything but pleased with what he's doing you can't be anything but happy and ecstatic about the the effort that he's giving and the production that he's able to give this team this is the overtime podcast network so we have as we've been mentioning one game going to toronto on monday for game five no one predicted that i can recall no one predicted raptors in five i'm sure there were i'm not remembering someone that did for that i apologize but um, I, I don't know that anybody realistically thought this would be over in five, but here we are. It's possible. Um, it's crazy to think that the Larry O'Brien trophy has to be there on Monday in the event that the Raptors win. It will be in the building in a just-in-case capacity. That is crazy to think about. Um, but here we are. Raptors could put an end to this. Um, I think the stat is 37 in one, the amount of teams that have come back from a 3-1 deficit in one, that being Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016. They're the only team to have done it. So the Raptors basically have a 99% chance of winning the NBA Finals. <laughs> that is fucking crazy. So here we go. They're up 3-1. Uh, I don't care if Golden State wants to put Kevin Durant out there. Don't trust the health think it's an Achilles injury. I don't think he's ready to go. I think he's thinking about his longevity, his career, and, you know, that's responsible if he is. I, I don't discredit him at all. I wouldn't put it put it down on him. I wouldn't call him a, a quitter or anything. You got to think about your body. You got to think about the years to come. He's won a championship already. That's not to say that he's not hungry for another one, but I think health is more important. Um, I don't trust Looney's health. I think that he is still not 100% and that he has a little bit, again, I don't want to say he was forced into the role, but if this was the regular season, he'd probably be out for the next couple of games. Um, Clay seems to be fine, but again, I, I we've been defending both of the shooters, both of the Splash Brothers quite well, not worried about this. Um, having said all that, let's let's jump into predictions. Game five, Toronto, Monday night. I'm just gonna say it. Raptors are winning this at home. What say ye? Yeah, it it it's got to be done. I you mentioned that you know the the only only one team winning uh, after being down three one. 
The thing is, is like the only caveat that I have for that prediction, I, I'm with you. I think Raptors win this one at home. The only caveat that I have is that if there's a team that could ever do it, and I know it's not the same Warriors that we've ever seen, but if there's a team that can do it, and if there's a team that is able to come back from 3-1, it, it might just be the Golden State Warriors. So I, I hate counting them out. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of had the the Warriors winning game four because I couldn't I couldn't see them losing two games at home in a row. I can't really see them losing three games in a row. But to me, they look deflated. They don't look like the same Warriors, like I mentioned. They look like this. The Raptors look like this is their series. They've owned this series the whole the whole way through. I've got Raptors in five, man. Dude, it's. You look at their faces. I can't believe I just said that. Yeah. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Jesus. I think that's the first time I've ever actually said that. Uh, Holy shit. Dude, you look at their faces, right? You see them walk off the court, or you see these post-game interviews, not at the table, but on the court still, like by Doris Burke or, or whoever. They're just all business, man. And I know Perkins pointed it out on Twitter, Kendrick Perkins. They're just business, man. They, they, Kyle Lowry even said it. They're like, how do you feel about, you know, the, the reception from the Toronto fans being up 3-1? He's like, I don't understand. We haven't done anything yet, which is true. Like, for all the success that they've seen in this playoff runs in this series, yes, they're up 3-1. That's an advantage. But in, at the end of the day, they haven't done it yet. They haven't captured that championship yet, and I think that's what they're saving it for, man. You see them just poised, all business, straight face. There was a video of uh, Kyle Lowry and Marcus All walking back to the locker room separately. Like, they must have been like five, six feet apart from each other. Stone-faced, just focused, walking back to the dressing room ready to just go home and close this out. There is no celebration. There is no chance. There is no, like, rah-rah cries from this team. They're just business. Let's get it done. Let's win this. And you got to be inspired by that. You have to find that admirable because, to me, that is Kawhi Leonard just bleeding all over this team. Like, this is business. Until we get it done, then we celebrate. Just like the shot that he had on Mother's Day against Philly. Like, once once the moment has pittance, celebrate. But once it's over, it's over. Let's get to business. So I think that this is, I don't know, man, this is right for the taking. It has the feel of a Toronto Raptors win all over it. And people can put asterisks all over this. I don't No, they care. can't. No, no, they cannot. It, no, it, is, it is unacceptable if you put no. an asterisk beside this. <laughs> I'm just saying, haters, if they want to do it, fuck it. Yeah, Go to town. If you want to say, well, they wouldn't have they won if KD was healthy or, you know, Looney was fully healthy. And that might be true. That might be true. But you know what? This is the fucking NBA playoffs. All right. Fred Van Vliet lost a goddamn tooth last night, all right? And he, he almost he, lost his goddamn eye last night, man. You know, Kawhi Leonard's dealing with tendonitis in his knee. No complaints. You're not hearing shit about it. But we're taking over this series, and it's great. Fuck it. Raptors in five. I'm coming up to Toronto, and I'm celebrating with you guys. Let's do that, it. That's all. That's That just made my day. The Raptors <laughs> better win in fucking five. <laughs> the Raptors better win in fucking five. Are you going to the game? 
Uh, I'm not. You but, don't have the extra ten grand to drop. <laughs> unfortunately, I do not. Um, <laughs> but so like it, it actually worked out really well for me. So like I've been working nights at my internship. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I've been working nights, but we've been watching the games and stuff, and like we've been getting all that, all that stuff. You don't, we don't need to talk about work. Sure. But, yeah. So for me, like I have, I'm taking an online course this summer, and my midterm happens to be Monday at the time when I usually start work. So I've kind of swindled my way out of going into work that night so that I can watch the game (laughs) with my buddies. And like, it couldn't have worked out any better. Like I've never been so happy that I have a midterm (laughs) in my entire (laughs) life because I can, I can get out of work and I can watch the game with my friends and enjoy that, enjoy that moment with them. Hopefully. It's the way to do it, man. It's the way to do it. Like, cause this is stress-free. Like I, I remember tweeting out yesterday. I'm like, I am so unusually calm about this yeah. game, and that was go- being up two one, walking yeah. in on Monday, putting that game on at nine o'clock. I'm gonna be like, whatever. <laughs> like, this is just yeah, house literally. Money. <laughs> whatever. Literally, they're playing with house money, man. Yeah. And that's the that's the coolest thing. Like playing with house money, and you you never talk about that when it comes to the NBA Finals, but that's that's exactly what they're doing right now. So confident, and I I don't remember being this confident. It's, it's a welcome feeling, but all right, we'll wrap it up here. Dude, you know the deal. Promote any and everything you got going on. I know you just dropped a podcast recently. Um, go for it, man. Floor is yours. As always, guys, you can you can find us at takesix.org where we post articles and, and all that kind of stuff about both Blue Jays and the Toronto Raptors. We've got the podcast. You can find us pretty much anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Just search up Take Six and you'll find us there. The logo is just like a little little skyline of Toronto. It's kind of cool. Um, and then I actually just started writing for uh, Raptors Rapture. I just got a gig there. So there you, go. you can find some of my stuff uh, started in the off season on there as well. Go there because I actually do get paid for that. So the more, <laughs> the more clicks I get, the more money I get. So that is, that is ideal if you can go find us there. Um, Adam, as always, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, let's close this up on Monday so I can get my ass up there, celebrate with you guys. And uh, before we close this out, yo, Monday, game uh, game five, Peter K's birthday. Happy birthday, Peter K. Let's have the Raptors win this on your birthday. What better birthday gift could you get? Raptors in five, book the fucking flights. Let's go. <laughs>